Tonight, God's Word comes to us from the Old Testament prophet Obadiah. Obadiah is a book with only one chapter, so we'll be reading the 21 verses of this chapter this evening. The book of Obadiah, beginning at verse 1, we hear now is God's Word. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, you who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, If plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed, would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Taman, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter." Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, for you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his distress in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all nations. As you have done, so shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return to your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape. And it shall be holy. 
and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. And the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Shepharad shall possess the cities of the Negev. Survivors shall go up on Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight, as we come to the prophet Obadiah, I suspect we are probably coming to one of the most minor of the minor prophets. Recall the minor prophets are called that not because of their message, but because of their length. And Obadiah is certainly the shortest book in the Old Testament, and I would suggest probably also the least well-known. I, I think that when we started this series, if I had asked you, can you give me something that the prophet Hosea is about? Many of you would have come up with the idea of Gomer and that marriage in adultery. I suspect if I asked you, what do you know about the prophet Joel? You might have to think just a little bit and say, isn't, isn't Joel the prophet who is quoted at the Pentecost event? Yes, he is. And I, I, I think that with the prophet Amos, uh, if I had given you a couple of, of encouragements and pointers, you would have thought about the various visions and the vision of a plumb line. But what is Obadiah about? For me, first uh, dealing with this book, no particular image came to mind. I couldn't, I couldn't hang anything on the book title Obadiah. Uh, maybe you are the same, maybe you know more about Obadiah than I did, uh, but for our kids tonight especially, I want to give you something that you'll remember about the book of Obadiah. When you think of Obadiah, I want you to think of two brothers. Obadiah is about two brothers, two twin brothers. Two twin brothers, and it's a picture for us of God's blessing to the one and God's vengeance on the other. A vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord concerning Edom. It gives a, 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 a God's judgment, God's vengeance on Edom, God's blessing upon his people. Obadiah, kids, two brothers. Two twin brothers. The word of the Lord concerning Edom. Now maybe we don't know who Edom is or where Edom is, but, but if, the, if the text said the word of the Lord concerning Esau, 
That's a name probably a little more familiar to us. Esau. And the descendants of Esau were the Edomites. That's who the book is about. Esau, one of two brothers. One of the two twin sons of Isaac. You remember Jacob and Esau. Two brothers. Two twin brothers. And two twin brothers whose conflict years before this prophecy was written would be what we see resulting in the book of Obadiah. You recall Jacob and Esau, two brothers, two twin brothers, who didn't always get along that well. Esau, one time coming in from the field, being hungry and seeing Jacob making a wonderful stew, decided he wanted some of that stew. And he says, give me some of that stew. And Jacob says, I'll give you the stew if you first sell me your birthright, the, the prime place you have as the firstborn in the family. And Esau, not caring for his birthright, sells it for a bunch of red stew. And, and as time goes on, and their father Jacob, or uh, uh, Isaac is preparing to die, he gives a blessing to his sons. And he blesses Jacob with the best of the blessing. Jacob and Esau were a thousand years before the prophet Obadiah was written. Jacob and Esau. And yet when Jacob received that better blessing from their father, Esau was angry about it. We read about that back in Genesis 27. In Genesis 27, uh, Jacob goes in, receives the prime blessing, and Esau comes in and wants some kind of blessing from his father. From Genesis 27, uh, verse 38, we read there, Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of the heaven on high. By your sword you shall live. You shall serve your brother. And when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. Esau hated Jacob and wanted to kill him. That was a thousand years before Obadiah was written. Yet those two brothers, those two twin brothers, and the fight between them would go on. When the people of Israel would come out of Egypt and Moses would lead them out, they would want to travel through Edom, through the land of the descendants of Esau. We read in Numbers 20, Numbers 20, verse 14, Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Thus says your brother, two brothers, kids, thus says your brother Israel, you know all the hardships that we have met, how our fathers went down to Egypt and we lived in Egypt a long time and the Egyptians dealt harshly with us and our fathers. And when we cried to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. And here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your territory. 
Let us pass through your land. We will not pass through field or vineyard or drink water from your well. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right hand or to the left till we have passed through your territory. But Edom said to him, You shall not pass through, lest I come out with a sword against you. And the people of Israel said to him, We will go by the highway, and if we drink your water, and if I or my livestock, we will pay for it. Only let us pass through on foot, nothing more. And he said, You shall not pass through. And Edom came out against them with a large army and a strong force. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his territory. So Israel turned from him. That took place... 500 years after the initial conflict between the brothers, two twin brothers. The conflict went on through history. When King David would, would come and, and demonstrate the might of the people of Israel, he would come up against the Edomites. And in 2 Samuel 8, we read this, 2 Samuel 8, verse 13. And David made a name for himself and returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Then he put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom he put garrisons, and all the Edomites became David's servants. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. The battle went on. That battle about 900 years after the brothers, two twin brothers, and the conflict between them. And now it continues. The conflict spoken of in the book of Obadiah. At some point, we don't know exactly when, Israel was attacked. And what did Edom do when they saw Israel being attacked? Verse 10. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried away his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. Someone came and attacked Israel. Edom saw it, saw their brother being attacked, and simply stood back and watched. The conflict between two brothers, two twin brothers. In verse 12, do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not uh, boast in the day of distress. Rejoicing, boasting, their brother had got what was coming to them. Verse 13, do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. They had joined with those who would come in and loot the people of Israel. And even in verse 14, do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress, betraying the survivors, an ongoing conflict, a battle for a thousand years between two brothers, two twin brothers. And now, and now, God will come in judgment. A vision of Obadiah concerning Edom. 
God will come and judge those who would oppress his people. We have heard a report from the Lord. A messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. God wouldn't even have Israel take their own vengeance. God would raise up other nations to do that job for them. Other nations coming against Edom, against Esau, against the brother of Jacob to exercise God's vengeance upon them. Verse 3, The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the cleft of the rocks in your lofty dwelling. You have to understand that Edom was in the southeastern part of Palestine. It was between two deserts. And the, the, the way to get to one of the main cities in Edom, you had to go down a very narrow ravine, a ravine about a mile long and at sometimes only 25 feet wide. Edom was incredibly defensible. To get to them, you had to almost come down this slaughter alley. And they were proud. They knew that no one could get past their defenses. They held the high ground. And so he says, the pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the cleft of the rocks in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Edom thought they were so strong they were defensible. They had a great position. No one could bring them down from their lofty heights. God says, I, I will bring you down. I will rain this judgment upon you because of what you have done to my people. God will exercise his vengeance upon his enemies. Verse 5, if thieves came to you or if plunderers came by night, they would, would they not steal only enough for themselves? What the prophet is saying is when a thief breaks into a house, uh, there's only so much they can carry. They're going to carry what they want and the rest will be left behind. But he says, Edom, when thieves come to you, when plunderers come to you, they're going to take everything. They are going to leave you nothing at all. Yes, a thief leaves things behind, but not for you, Edom. They're going to take everything. He goes on with this second picture. If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? When they picked the grapes, they couldn't pick them completely clean. There'd be a little bit left behind. God says, not for you, Edom. Nothing left. Completely destroyed a total loss. How Esau has been pillaged his treasures sought out. We read at the end of verse 18, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Edom, for the Lord, house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. They would lose everything. They would lose their status. Edom was known for producing very wise people. That's why we hear verse 8. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom 
and the understanding out of Mount Esau. Edom known for its wisdom. Remember in the book of Job, when Job's three counselors come to him, who were those three counselors? The first one to give Job wise counsel was Eliphaz, the Temanite. Teman is in Edom, known for their wisdom. The second counselor, Bildad, also connected with Edom. And yet God says, your wisdom is going to be taken away. Oh, it was worldly wisdom to be sure, but, but God will destroy everything. Your reputation among others and a loss of their military might, verse 9, and your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Timon, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Their mighty men dismayed, afraid, every man slaughtered, total destruction as God comes to exercise his vengeance upon this brother, this one of two twin brothers who would stand against God's chosen Jacob, God's chosen Israel. Obadiah comes with a message concerning Edom. But it is a message spoken to Israel. This prophecy is not spoken in Edom. It's not spoken to them. It's concerning Edom but spoken to Israel to give them assurance, to give them hope, to give them comfort, reminding them that God is a God who will bring his vengeance against his enemies. He is a God of justice. He is a God of righteousness. And while that vengeance is destruction for the enemy, it is comfort for God's people. God is still in control. Verse 15, For the day of the Lord is near, near upon all the nations. As you have done, so shall it be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. As they had, had pursued and hurt God's people, it would come back upon them. Maybe you recall the phrase, the lex talionis, the law of retaliation, sometimes called the eye for an eye law. That's what's going on here. They had pursued the people of God. They had been given vengeance against the people of God, and now God's vengeance coming upon them. Verse 16, For you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they never had been. Yes, you have drunk all the glories of, of Israel, but now you will be drunken up. You will be taken as if, as if nothing had ever happened, as if you'd never had existed. That's, that's the end of Edom. But, verse 17, but in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape and it shall be holy and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. Yes, Edom would be destroyed, but Zion, Jacob, the place where God dwelt, they would be established forever. God would exercise his vengeance on one of those two brothers and Jacob established. Verse 19, 
excuse me, 18, the house of Jacob shall be a fire, the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. And they shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Two brothers, two twin brothers, one chosen by God, the other not chosen. And yet it was Esau, it was Edom who would be a thorn in Israel's side again and again for a thousand years. The prophet concludes this prophecy by, by describing these two mountains, Mount Zion and then verse 19. Those of the Negeb shall possess Mount Esau. And those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and Samaria and Gilead. And he gives us these picture of two mountains, Mount Zion and Mount Ephraim. Two brothers, two twin brothers, Jacob and Esau. Esau, Edom being destroyed and Jacob being secure on Mount Zion. A word of hope and comfort and assurance for them. We see that same reality today. Two mountains, Mount Zion, where God has said, my name shall dwell there, and Mount Esau, the ways of the world. And it can seem it can seem like Mount Esau so many times is winning. The world seems so big and so powerful. The world comes against the church and the church seems so small. But when the world seems so big, then our vision is too small. Because we forget the God of Obadiah. We forget the God who will bring vengeance upon those who stand against his people. We think of all the, the political challenges we face today. All those things that would hurt the church, hurt God's people. And it can seem like we're being bombarded on every side. And yet God will have the last word. God will come in judgment upon those who would stand against the people of God. And while that is a terrible thing for them, it is a word of hope and comfort and assurance for us. Isaiah speaks about Jesus and the victory that he has in terms of the mountains as well. Isaiah 63. Who is this who comes from Eden, Edom in crimsoned garments from Bozrah? who in splend is splendid in his apparel, marching in his great strength. It is I, speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red? Why is your garment like one who treads the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. My life's blood, their life's blood splattered on my garments." and stained all my apparel, for the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption has come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled. There was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation, 
and my wrath upheld me. I trampled down the people in my anger. I made them drunk in my wrath and poured out their lifeblood on the earth. The victory of Jesus Christ on the cross over all the powers of the world and Satan, the one who crushed his power, clothed in the blood of his enemies, the one who comes with vengeance on God's enemies. No one else could do it. No one else could save. It was Jesus Christ alone. He is where we turn when the world seems so big and the church seems so small. The God of Mount Zion, not the God of Edom. Mount Edom looks so big and so imposing, but it's the God of Mount Zion who will have the final victory. Obadiah, a prophet, kids, about two brothers, two twin brothers. Jacob and Esau. Mount Esau, a picture of the world. Jacob, Mount Zion, a picture of the church. And that picture concludes in verse 21. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. God's kingdom will finally encompass everything. He is the great king, the great ruler, the conqueror king. We read about that in Psalm 68. Arise, O Lord, and by your might let all your enemies be put to flight in shame and consternation. Mount Esau and Mount Zion. The only two options. We will find ourselves standing with one of them. Either by God's grace through Jesus Christ, standing in Mount Zion, sure, confirmed, knowing that God has the victory, or we find ourselves standing against Him, the recipients of His righteous anger and His vengeance on those who would oppose Him. God calls us again tonight. Don't try to stand against Him yourself. Don't try to stand on Mount Edom by yourself. But place your faith firmly and fully in Jesus Christ, the one who rules on Mount Zion, the one who reigns secure, the conquering king, the one who has defeated Satan, who has defeated the world, and will have his final victory when he comes again in his glory. We, we now get maybe a bit more insight into the words that we hear in Hebrews chapter 12 where the author says, we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. We have come to Mount Zion. And as such we know, that mountain will be established, secure. God will have his victory and all his enemies and ours be put to flight. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, truly you are great, you are glorious, and you are majestic. 
And there are so many wonderful images that you give us of who you are in Scripture. A gentle, caring father, a loving mother, one who provides for us, who is a father to the fatherless. But you are also, O oh God, a righteous and conquering king. And we praise you for all who you are. Thank you for calling us into Mount Zion, that through Jesus Christ we can know that your kingdom will be firmly established forever and nothing, nothing will stand against it. Not the heights of Mount Edom, not the power of the world is anything to compare to who you are. Lord God, we long for that day when we will see the fullness of your kingdom coming in all of its beauty and in all of its glory. Thank you for the assurance. Thank, for, thank you for the comfort you give to us that when the world seems so big and the church so small, we remind ourselves again of Obadiah, that you are the God who is in control. Hear our prayer. For Jesus' sake, amen.